episode of the Hooters Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff, and I am sitting here once again in my garage, this time not in my Mercedes. I am in a 2019 Audi A8L, and it was in this car that I just drove to and from my 24 Hours of Lemons race weekend. Now, I had actually started to record a podcast on the drive home, but the battery that was in the GoPro, I don't know, it just didn't like being under the sun. Not that it was that sunny, but the battery kind of started to bulge and cook itself a little bit. So we, the GoPro stopped recording halfway through, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. So I'm just going to make that up so that we have an episode ready to go. And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to record one and I'm going to tell you a bit about what happened at the Lemons race. So 24 Hours of Lemons was at Thunder Hill this past weekend. Um, This was fun because it was the full five-mile course. I'd never driven the five-mile course. I've only driven the East Loop, which is the loop that existed for a long time. It was just Thunder Hill. It wasn't the East. It was just Thunder Hill. And then they added the West, and now it became the East. And it's the one with the big hill. Um, so amazingly, it takes it from, I think, two and a half miles out to just a wild five miles of racetrack. It's hilarious. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of racetrack. The vehicle that we were driving is a similar to a vehicle we've driven before. Uh, this is our second 1962 Ford Ranchero. There's a video on our YouTube channel where you can see us racing it and how that ended and why we have a second Ranchero and not the original Ranchero. Now, under the hood of this Ranchero is the straight six that was originally in a Ford Mustang, I believe. It is the 250 cubic inch 4.1 liter straight six. We have a two barrel carburetor on top of it. We have a nice uh, big air cleaner sitting on top of that. And then we have just a few tweaks and cleans to the engine to get it into decent shape. Backing that up is not the three on the tree that we had in Ranchero 1.0. Here we have a four-speed top loader, which is much, much, much better than the three on the tree. The three on the tree was a hilarious novelty. The four-speed is actually a good transmission. Or, well, we'll get to the transmission. Um, Now, up front, uh, the front suspension has been altered a bit to, I think it's called the Shelby Drop. Uh, Ford Falcon, Ford Mustang fans will know what that is. We have the tires cambered out. It's, It's really tight up front. The steering is sorted fairly well. The brakes are fresh. It's all good. Now, also for the new season of Lemons, they require fire suppression systems, which uh, the car has. There are, there's a, a fire extinguisher down in the passenger floorboard. Um, that has what looks like two throttle cables that run off of it. One of those hooks to an emergency fire pole that's down by our switch panel. So we have um, master power on. We have a fuel pump, fan, the starter, and then the uh, the pole for the fire suppression system. There's also a, a master battery kill uh, up by the A-pillar, which is so that track workers, if they needed to reach in and shut it off, they could. There's a second fire suppression pole just on the outside of the car by the B-pillar. Now that is plumbed. There are two lines that point at the driver, and there are two lines inside the engine bay. It's a very basic system, but it is a very cool system, and it is nice to know that it's there. 
Um, so that's fun. We also have a collapsible steering column, which you'll know why if you saw a Ranchero 1.0. Um, so uh, a pretty old but simple machine that looks a little out of place in current day lemons because 90% of the field is made up of E36 BMWs, E30 BMWs, and Miatas. Now, there are still the oddball cars, which are great to see. Um, there was an Audi A4 and an A6, which were turning laps, oddly enough. I don't know how they were, weren't broken. There were two Subarus. One was a wagon. One was a WRX sedan, um, which hit us at one point, but we'll get to that. And then I'm trying to think what else was out there. Um, there were a couple Lancias, Oof. ballsy choice. Um, there were two Ford Rangers. There was a C4 Corvette. There were two Volvo wagons. There were two Volkswagen Vanagons, which are super fast at the track. Um, and then um, a couple other uh, odds and ends here and there. An Audi 4000. There was a rookie team. It was their first time there. Oh, and Nacho Friend running there. Celica with the 22 RE under the hood. Can't forget about you guys. Um, so we drive from Orange County to Fremont, which is where the car is located. That's on a Thursday. We get there. We spend all night loading up the trailers. We basically empty Tim, who's the co-founder of Hooniverse, his garage, all his tools into one trailer. The Ranchero goes on another trailer. And then we wake up the next morning and drive to Thunder Hill. Now, Friday is a testing day. The car's in good shape, though, so we don't want to test it. We just look over things. We check things. We check the oil. You know, we check uh, the brakes, clutch, gearbox, all that stuff, but it's running well, and we don't want to spend all the money. It's like 350 bucks for a few laps. We don't, we, maybe we should have, but we didn't because, you know what? Car's in good shape. Let's just, let's just rest easy tonight. Let's rest easy. Um, day one rolls around, which is Saturday. They put me in the car first because I haven't driven the new Ranchero and I've never driven the west portion of Thunderhill. So they figure, get me in the car first. There's a parade lap before they drop the green flag. And that'll give me a few minutes to, one, sort of drag the brakes on the parade lap to bed in brand new brake pads, which I kind of did, which was helpful. And then also learn the course and learn the car. Um... The main course of Thunderhill, I know. And then on the backside where you would keep going down this one back straight, you take a right up a hill and then there's a sharp left and you're on the backside. It's a pretty cool transition. And the backside is fun. Both sides are pretty fast too, which is pretty cool. Um, so I did the parade lap and I'm the third car at the start of the parade lap. That's just the way it shook out. Um, and there's a Hyundai Elantra with a North Korean Kim Jong-un theme in front of me because it's lemons and the green flag drops and I get the jump on them and I immediately pass them. And that felt awesome. They got me back. Not too, not too uh, much later than that, but I, I was past them. And then I was behind a golf or a GTI or whatever and going and turning laps. Now on lap two, I forgot about that sharp left at the top of the hill and I went straight off all four wheels off. No, I don't know if the corner worker wasn't paying attention or they're like, ah, it's early and you were smart about what, the way you came back on track, but um, I wasn't flagged and I just, you know, put my head down and kept going. So that was fine. And I didn't make that mistake again. Um, the car was running okay from a steering, from a handling and braking standpoint and the gearbox and clutch felt good, but it started to, to just really stutter coming out of corners and the, the, it has a limited slip, but it wasn't putting down power well. 
Um, it just, it was breaking up. It sounded like it was breaking up and it had to do with the air fuel mixture. Um, so it, we have an air fuel gauge in there and it, like when I would go full throttle, it was reading 10. So I radioed, I'm like, I was thought about staying out there and just making do, but everybody's passing me. I'm getting sick of it. I come in, I tell them the issue. I stayed in the car. They swapped the jets on the carburetor real quick and I went out and now I was putting power down coming out of corners and I went from getting past to passing people. I started turning faster laps. And so that was fun. And then my two hour stint was up. I hand the car off. Our next driver has a fairly clean run. He complains similar issues. It's still breaking up a little bit. Um, but you know, he's, he's, he gets through his, his stint and we hand it off to our third driver. He's about halfway through his stint. He's a, a, our slower driver, but he was safe. He was clean. So, you know, whatever, just turn laps. That's, it's, that's the key about lemons isn't speed. It's turning laps. Unless you're class A, then it's a bit of both. Um, but he, he all of a sudden he gets on the radio and he says, the engine is making a terrible noise. I'm coming in. Shit. Okay. What's the problem? He comes in and you, you hear like, like, it's like, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good at all. So we shut it down. We fired up a few times to try to hear what it is. Our team leader, Tim, who's really good about diagnosing this sort of thing and fixing it quickly says, I'm pretty sure this is an exhaust manifold gasket leak, which is pretty easy to fix. Uh, especially on a straight six. Um, but we do not have that gasket. So Tim and I hop in this Audi and drive back to the main town, which is 10 minutes down the road, Willows, California, to their O'Reilly's. They do not have the part The O'Reilly's in Chico does, which is 40 minutes, you know, there, 40 minutes back. Fuck it. We have to go get it. So we go get it. We come back. Uh, on the way back, they tell us as we we're moving the headers, one of the bolts where it goes into the head, that cracked. So at first we thought the head cracked, but it was just the farthest bolt or, um, towards the nose of the car, that top of that cracked so we can work with that. So we got the gasket in, we JB welded that, and it was, it was gonna hold fine. We fired up, we immediately hear the noise again, and Tim puts his head down. It wasn't the exhaust manifold gasket, it was the head gasket. We have one of those. Uh, and Tim actually swapped it in two hours and it was done swapped, but that was the end of the racing day. And then plus we wanted to let the car sit for various sealants and that JB weld to cure a bit overnight, but we swapped it. We're going to wake up in the morning. We're going to fire the engine. We're going to see how it, how it goes. And then that night, uh, at, in the paddock, the lemons crew put together a potluck dinner. Uh, not the nacho friend racing team had delicious nachos. Uh, somebody walked up and handed me a swig of Casamigos tequila, which was delicioso, delicioso, muy delicioso. Um, so that was, that was great. Next morning, you know, or that night we go to bed, wake up next morning, get to the track. Tim fires it up. Engine sounds great. It's holding. It looks good. It sounds good. Looking good. Feeling good, Billy Ray. Um, so we put in our fourth driver of five and sent him out on the track. He's going fine. He's going fine. Hilariously, at one point, he freaks out because uh, the car died on him and he can't get it to start and he's about to get a tow in and he realized he shifted and his hand like slipped and turned off the fuel pump. So he flipped the fuel pump switch back on uh, and stays out. And he was he was getting faster every lap too, which was great. He was getting faster and faster. Um, but then coming up over the main hill at Thunder Hill, which if you've never driven it is intimidating because you can't see shit until your nose is on the other side. He's hit at the top of that. Some uh, That Subaru WRX just tags the, pass the driver's side rear 
of the car and sends him spinning. And so he he's going to drive the car, but then he, he hears something rubbing. We're like, ah, oh, fuck. He gets towed in. It's just that the rear bodywork got punched in around the wheel a little bit. We bend it back, bend it back, bend it back, get it out of there. And we use that opportunity because he'd been in the car for a good amount of time to do another driver swap. So now it's our fifth driver. It's Tim. He goes last. He hops in. He goes out there. He's running fine, running fine, turning laps. All of a sudden, we hear that he doesn't have third gear anymore. We're like, what the fuck? So he wants to come in so we can see if it's just the li shift linkage came loose or something like that, or if he literally doesn't have third gear. So we, get, we keep him in the car. We get the car up on jack stands, and one of our guys gets underneath it, and we're moving the forks around, and we're also having him drive it in gear. It's spinning under first, spinning under second, not spinning under third, spinning under fourth. So third gear is gone. We, and we look at each other, we're like, you know what? There's four hours of, or, you know, three and a half hours of racing left at this point. Just go back out there. Fourth gear for most of the corners, second gear for the tightest corners. And bring the, and, and then I'll try maybe hop in the last two hours and bring it home if it survives. He goes out maybe 20 minutes later. Uh, we get a call on the radio. He's like, I'm coming in. Uh, the transmission just straight up locked up on him. So he's, he's towed in, get it down. And at this point, we start packing up. So that was it. We had to go home early with about, um, you know, three hours left of racing. Um, we assume the trans. We don't know what happened. We kind of think that when the car was hit, our driver might have been in third gear and it might have fucked something up in there. And then, in fact, the car, Tim got the car home and today showed me that he opened up the transmission. There's no metal shavings or anything in there. There was a little bit of glitter in the oil, but there's no metal shavings down in the, in the pan. Um, and the synchro or whatever, the synchro between three and four, that broke. So like anytime you would try to go in gear, the transmission still was trying to engage third and it was basically locking you out. So it's a much cheaper and cleaner fix than we thought, which is good. Third gear is still there and in good shape. All the gears are in good shape. It's just the shit between the gears got fucked up. So we, we know what it is. We can fix it. Um, when we were running out there, once we sorted the head gasket, the engine felt strong to the other guys. I don't know because I didn't drive it. Um, so we just got to take, figure out what we can do to make the engine maybe a little bit stronger. I mean, even though the, the, you don't expect to just blow a head gasket, um, but we'll bring head gaskets with us. And we know we can change that relatively quickly enough. Um, like I said, though, brakes were good. Steering was good. All that stuff. So you just got to put the car back together and, and maybe make some stronger points here and there and, and see what we can do uh, about it in the future. Car was running great. Uh, there was a lot of very fast cars there. What, part of the somebody from Nitro Circus was there. They had a Miata. They were flying. Uh, E30s were fast. Jason Camisa was there in a very fast E36. One of their guys, who's their team leader, said he was touching the brakes for turn one at 125 miles per hour and running out to the edge of that, you know, past the apex running track wide uh, at around 105. So that's fast. My top speed in the Ranchero was 94. Um, so we're a bit slower, but that's a class A car versus a class C car, but whatever. Uh, there was, um, there was, people were going for it in every corner. It was mostly clean. Uh, you know, I'm constantly checking my, my rear view to see where people are at. We only have one mirror. We have one of those big 
rear view mirror bars across the top there to try to see as much as I can. I, for the most part, did a good job of keeping my head up and looking when I would have to get out of the way of someone. It was fun passing people too, but there was one moment when I was taking a right turn. So, you know, my eyes are looking through the corner and an RX-7 sneaks up on the outside of me and it must have been in, say it was in like fourth gear where it's a little quieter. It downshifted into third and it was so fucking loud. It scared the shit out of me because he probably revved to like eight grand at that point. It scared. I was like, ah! And, um, but it, it, and then I started laughing to myself, um, but it was fun. It was fun being out there. Hadn't done lemons in a couple years, missed it, really enjoy it. Real, uh, the first 15 minutes or a few laps in the car are always a little scary because, you know, you have your belt cinched so tight and you're just tucked in there and you're in a 1962 Ford Ranchero and there's all these insane people around you and all these other cars. A lot of them are faster than you and you're kind of going, what was it? So there's a little bit of nerves. And then as soon as, as soon as that cloud clears and you focus and you're turning laps and it all starts clicking together, it's It feels so good. I love being out there. I it's, it's a really, really fun time. Um, and I really enjoy it. And, uh, even when the car breaks, you still have a good time. And I'm, I'm really hope looking forward to, uh, getting the car and team back together for button willow in September. So keep an eye out for that. If you're in the area, come say hi, uh, or, you know, get a car. Yeah. Your entry deadline is August. Do just, if you've been thinking about doing it, get a group of guys together, get out there and go do it. And if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them or point you towards people who know a whole lot more than I do, but I do love it. It was a lot of fun, and I can't wait to get back out there. Now, the Audi, this Audi was fantastic for road tripping there. Super comfortable. <laughs> it's the A8L. The seats are fantastic. There's like eight different massage programs, and you can actually really feel it and the differences between the programs. The sound system kicks ass. The nav was great. Uh, wireless Apple CarPlay with the wireless charger down here under the armrest. Um, just, it just felt great all, all the way around. It was really comfortable and I really enjoyed it. Even with the 3.0 T and not a V8 under the hood, plenty of power. This thing has plenty of power. It has the nice, uh, open pour wood, comfortable leather seats. Um, it's, it's a stylish machine. This is a, it's $101,000 as tested. Um, base price is like 84, but it's got like the executive rear back seat and it's got this thing that slides out where if the car was on, you could control the audio, the seats, the lighting, um, and a bunch of other crap from this little tablet that clicks in back here for the rear seat passengers to control. Um, so that was, that was nice. Now this goes away on Wednesday and then Thursday, the Chevy Colorado Bison arrives. And I'm curious about this one because my initial just reading about it, I don't see it being worth what they're charging because it's, as far as I know, it's just AEV supplying better underbody protection to a ZR2, but it's a, it's, it's like a, it's a significant price jump. So we'll see. I'll try to beat on it a little bit and, and see what I can do. Maybe just hit it with sledgehammers or something, um, which I don't know if Chevy would like that, but AEV might, um, because the skid plate is made out of a thinner boron steel, which is more puncture resistant and snaps back into shape while also being thinner than traditional steel skid plates. I'm not fully sure. I got to read up once I get the car and go from there. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else cool coming up, but it's my mind is going, oh, I'm, I'm borrowing a big camper from Lance Camper, one of those drop-in bed campers to go camping with uh, wifey and kiddo. Uh, last year, I took the Airstream to my kid's kindergarten 
daycare. It was daycare, daycare camping group where everybody else was tent camping and I was in an Airstream. We're basically doing that again, this time with a really nice uh, in-bed camper from Lance. Um, so, you know, I have to be the winning parent again. Um, but now I'm jumping over to questions and we're going to slide into Patreon first. So let's see what we got here. We have two comments on the Patreon. Dina Honda. So Jeff, what's your opinion on car clubs? Are they worth it? Ever been in one? I have never been in one. Um, I say it's worth it if it provides what you're looking for, the camaraderie and all that good stuff. Uh, I mean, it, it, it depends on, on what you want out of it. Uh, I don't have a negative or positive opinion on one just because I don't have any experience with one. I don't see any reason to have a negative opinion on one. So if you find one that suits your needs and doesn't break the bank and you like the people in it, uh, go for it. I mean, yeah, have fun. Jason Darr. You're tailgating at a Stanley Cup game. What car do you roll up in? What food do you cook and buy? And most importantly, what beer do you drink? P.S. Go Blues. That last bit's funny because that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, Bruins already got game one and they're just getting warmed up. So if I'm tailgating at a Stanley Cup game, um, what would I roll up in? I mean, I, that's a weird question because... I think I would, you know what, if I, like, if we can go super duper hypothetical, I would take, and obviously I'm like taking a vehicle that's not even really out yet, but I'm going to do the Rivian R1T because they just showed off that electric um, cooking, they brought an electric cooking stove to Overland Expo that can run off the car. And then there's that whole interior cubby section where you can store some stuff. Um, food, I think I, I just go simple with um, like burgers and hot dogs. I, I keep it real simple there. Uh, maybe some pulled pork might be nice as well. Pulled pork would be good. Um, and then for beer, because it's a hockey game, I want some nice, hefty, stronger stuff. Um, but it's still, you're tailgating, so you're not there yet. Um, Shit, what would I go with? That's always a tough question to answer. I mean, you just kind of like walk through and see something. And you know what? I, I go with one of the best beers because I'm going to watch the best hockey team. So I'll go, I'll bring some Pliny the Elder to watch the Bruins take it in five. And I'm being generous. How's that sound? Um, Twitter questions. What do we got over here? I saw some Twitter questions. J. Ramey, at AWJ Ramey, should BMW just let Bertone take over their design department? Now, this is going to sound weird because I always bag on BMW. I don't hate the designs of their coupes and sedans. I actually think they're pretty stylish and smart looking right now, which is funny because I would, would not say the same for my beloved Mercedes. Mercedes is just so overwrought and over the top and trying too hard, with the exception of the new EQC. I like the way the EQC looks, and then the S class coupe looks fantastic as well. Um, but I mean, if you just want to let Bertone do it, you can let Bertone do it. Michael Balaban at Balaban. How is it, how important is it that a house have a garage? I think it's pretty important. Personally, it's on my must have list for me when I'm going, uh, home shopping. If we ever sell this condo and, and buy something else, which hopefully isn't too far off in the future, though this this had to have a garage and it did, even though it's a single car, would make it work. And this A8L barely fits in it. Patrick Montgomery, what's the best car, classic or current, to listen to Dad Rock in? I just want to listen to Judas Priest in optimal surroundings. I mean, the one of the best ways to do it is with a muscle car and like tinny speakers. So you're in the full effect of how it would have you would have heard it, you know 
close to period. Like that would have been a used car at the time and it would have been perfect. So I'd say a muscle car with like period correct speakers or this Audi A8L is pretty effing good because it has the dual pane glass and a, just a killer Bang & Olufsen sound system, right? Yeah, this is Bang & Olufsen. It has to be. It's an Audi. Um, so this thing pumps. My Mercedes has a really good sound system and that sounds really good as well. Team Radar Love. How many project cars is too many project cars? Um, depends on your space. Like, what's your space like? Because, like, how Freddie Hernandez Tavares bought that garage warehouse so he can fit those cars in there and he's not taking up too much room at his house. Like, that's fine. He can fit. If you can fit the cars, go for it. Um, just know what you're getting into. But, like, for me, I, I don't need the 74 Mercedes and the Montero while also waiting on the Wombat to come to life. So I, you know, one of those needs to go. So on the flip side, so for someone like me, the answer is like two driving, two drivable project cars, though I need, I can get rid of one of those and have one drivable and one non-drivable. Maybe that's a good way to look at it. So if you have the room, go full Freddie Hernandez. And if you don't, and you're just a, a poor, sad sack like me, one drivable, one non-drivable. Leslie Winbush, this is at Leadfoot Leslie. I know this is a joke question. Is a Model S a good investment? That's very funny. I like it. Um, and there we go. That's it for Twitter questions. I think we actually got Facebook questions tonight, which doesn't happen as much as it used to. Um, I don't know why, but whatever. Um, hold on. Okay, there we go. Two questions. Let me just pull these up in a second because my internet decided to go. You know what? I'm going to take a break here. Let me see if I can just go back to it. Um, there we go. Two comments. Well, these will come up in a second. Uh, oh, there we go. Landry Neely. I apologize. I have just mad allergies all weekend. Landry Neely. Is the Ram Classic the last new real simple truck? Uh, I wouldn't. I mean, so the Ram Classic is basically the prior model year that they're selling as the current model year to just get rid of stock, which is kind of funny. But um, I don't think so. I think... Um, any of the fleet trucks are still like real simple trucks. Um, the uh, honestly, it's probably like a Nissan Frontier, which is the last new real simple truck. Um, Kyle Noandic, what is the best daily driver luxury truck? Platinum Limited Denali. Uh, it is the the Ram is. So the Platinum is super super nice, but in terms of the top notch ride quality, it's going to be the Ram because it has coils instead of leafs out back so it just it does better when it's not under when it's not laden or under load um so the best daily driver truck and it has the, it has the nicest interior really i'm gonna go with the ram here um yeah i think i'm gonna go with the ram i think that's the answer um so there you go on that one now we have a couple more videos that I need to edit. I still need to finish editing the uh, Honda rugged open air vehicle concept that Ridgeline turned side by side. I'm like 70% done on that one. I've just been sidetracked with a lot of other things. I have to edit Acura NSX, McLaren 600 LT, Genesis G70. Um, what else was there? There's there's a couple more in there that I'm I'm super slacking. Oh, we shot lemons. We're gonna do a lemons video too. We shot tons of footage of that, so stay tuned for that one as well. Um, I just need to get my head down and get cracking. I've just taken on a new contractor project, which is eating up a lot of my time during the day lately. Um, so that's kind of put a hamper 
on that, but I'm going to make sure when I come home at night, uh, kiddo to bed and put some, put some editing time in to get some of these, to get ahead of the game here a little bit. Um, and then I also wanted to make sure I didn't miss another week of podcasting. Um, so, um, there you go on that one. This one is a solo episode. We had a bit longer version of this, but the pot that GoPro, like literally just the battery was like, I don't want to do this anymore, which was really annoying and frustrating. Uh, but I, at least I'm glad I got to come down here and get my lemons thoughts out of my head and into this camera and the audio portion of this. For those of you listening on shout engine or iTunes or whatever, what may have you. Um, so there we are with that. Uh, just quick social media stuff. Follow me on Instagram at Hooniverse Jeff, also at The Real Hooniverse. On Twitter at Jay Glucker at The Real Hooniverse. Go to Hooniverse.com to read stories and look at pictures and do all that fun stuff. If you're on YouTube already watching this, please like and subscribe, which is a silly thing to have to say, but that's what you have to say um, in 2019. So there you go on that front. And then um, stay tuned for more updates on the Montero. Not so much the Benz. That's kind of just how it is. Um, I'm just driving it like it is for now and still enjoying it. If I get news on the Wombat, you guys will be some of the first to know. Uh, Instagram will be the first first probably because I I, I love that. Instagram is probably my favorite of the social medias. Um, it's less toxic than all the other ones um, for now. I'm sure that'll get ruined at some point, but whatever. That's the one I like posting to the most and interacting with on there. Um, but I am on all the other ones. Well, I deleted the Facebook app from my phone, but I can still pull up like our Facebook Hooniverse page and I could just go to, you know, a browser and go to Facebook that way, but whatever. That's the, I'm mostly on Facebook for the Montero, the SoCal Montero Facebook group. Cause it's, it's a great group. Um, so yeah, there you go. Um, and then I know I keep saying, we'll let you know about episode 300. I just, I, I haven't had time to plan it yet. Um, so as lame as that sounds, that's just how it is. I'm just, I'm, I'm slammed right now, but I want to make sure I don't neglect the podcast stuff, but on that, on, I know that's kind of counterintuitive, but yeah, I just haven't been able to plan it yet. Uh, but either way, I will get my shit in gear and get working on it and let all of you know. So thank you very much for watching, listening and supporting. And, uh, I will see you guys, um, next week. Bye.